I was thinking with my wife, Lauren, we've been here for about three years now at Imaginations Church and we moved out this way. Kids go to PCS. It's been fantastic. But I'm still not sure that many people know me. So I'll do the introduction. So my name's David Perry, if you don't know me. Uh, what I do when I'm not here is I work at Alpha Crucis University College, which is the national college of our movement. I'm the vice president there. And I'll, it, this will sound uh, arrogant, but I'll tell you why I'm saying it in a minute. So out of high school, I did my Bachelor of Ministry, then I did a Bachelor of Theology and an Honours degree, and then I did a PhD in Theology. So I guess you'd say I am uh, a theologian. But I wonder when I say that, what that conjures for you. <laughs> what image in your mind? I know that for a lot of people, the immediate thought will be, you know, boring, dry maybe, probably arrogant, probably thinks he knows more than everyone else, impractical, out of touch, lots of big words that no one understands. And believe me, I can fill a sentence with big words. But I'm actually very careful when I go somewhere and I'm introduced to speak. So if I'm going to, a, say, a university or a government conference or something like that, I'll say, yeah, look, introduce me as uh, Associate Professor David Perry, and then I'll get up and speak. Or if I'm going to, say, a, like a, an Anglican church to preach or something like that, I'll say, introduce me as Reverend Associate Professor David Perry, and then I'll get up to speak. But when I'm coming to one of my own churches, ACC or a Pentecostal church, I'll say, I'll take the, you know, the, the service leader aside beforehand and just say, just say Pastor David Perry. Because I know that uh, spruiking academic qualifications in some contexts doesn't carry a lot of currency. In fact, it can actually be a negative and put up walls. I think there's a really common fear that too much theology kills the spirit. Have you heard that before? Or when I was growing up and I said to a uh, few people that I was going to go to Bible college, why do you want to go and bother studying for? All you need is the Holy Spirit and Jesus is coming back again soon anyway. So don't waste time doing that. Just get out there and do the work of the ministry. One prominent author quotes a phrase he heard, happy is the Christian who has never met a theologian. Well, you've met a theologian tonight, so hopefully you're still happy at the end of the night. You know, at, at our college at AC, we're constantly having to reassure people that we're not drifting away from the church, that it's possible to study and think deeply and then still be filled with the Spirit and maintain a passion for God and the gospel. That's what I believe. COVID gave us some good things. They gave us those little convenient communion things that we've all had so many times and struggled to figure out which bit to open first. But one of the things that gave us, I think, was a refocusing on the need for discipleship. And you probably heard about that quite a bit. When COVID happened and people were disconnected from the routine of coming to church every week, it forced us to reflect on, have we just been bringing people to church or have we actually been making disciples? Through the work, through what we do, is that actually bring people closer to God and deepen their relationship? We're all called to depth in our walk with God. And the Christian life should be a journey of learning, growth and encouragement. And I think actually with that refocusing, what I've sensed is an emerging hunger amongst people for depth, for a relationship with God that's more than just surface but has substance to it and means something. And actually, particularly, Pastor Belinda, great that you prayed for young people, particularly that hunger seems to be especially strong with young people. 
And Ash asked the question tonight, great question, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Are you looking for more depth in your relationship with God? But going deeper requires effort on our part. How can we become more like Christ unless we learn more about him, know more about him, understand more about him, and understand what it means to live in his image? It's like a marriage. You can can imagine getting married and then never communicating with that person for the next 10 years, right? There's going to be no depth in that marriage, no depth in that relationship. One benefit of going deeper with God is that we produce more fruit. The deeper the root, the more the fruit. Root downward and fruit upwards. Proverbs 12.12 says, Thieves are jealous of each other's loot, but the godly are well-rooted and bear their own fruit. That rhymes. Thieves are jealous of each other's loot, but the godly are well-rooted and bear their own fruit. Or Isaiah 37.31 says, And you who are left in Judah who have escaped the ravages of the siege will will put roots down in your own soil and grow up and flourish. You know, we know that when a tree has deep roots, it won't be blown over by storms or whatever comes its way. And it can also bear the weight of more fruit. The stronger the tree, the deeper the roots, the more fruit that that tree has the capacity to bear. So when we're deeply rooted and grounded in God, we'll be able to face adversity and we can also handle whatever blessing God sends our way. Ephesians 3.17 says, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. So that need for deep roots and that emerging hunger is why I'm going to talk about theology tonight. So I was actually asked to do a teaching session. If you didn't know that's what you were signing up for, it's too late now. Nathan, just lock the doors. I believe all of us think about God and the ultimate questions of life in some way or at some time. Questions like, you know, we think about the existence and nature of God. What is God like and what does that mean for me? We think about the origins and nature of the universe. We think about the meaning and purpose of the universe. Is everything just here for by accident or is there actually a meaning and purpose in the universe? We think about the nature and purpose of us as human beings. We think about what's good and bad, right and wrong, beautiful and ugly. And we think about purpose and meaning in our own lives. What am I actually here for and what am I intended to do? We might be able to bring those uh, questions up on the screen for a moment. It's interesting that I've often found myself in conversation with non-Christians about these types of questions because it's something that all of us think about as we search for meaning and purpose. Then as we think about these sort of things, it leads to more questions, questions that can't be answered with cliches or catchphrases or clickbait. These are deeper questions but actually make a difference in our lives. Think about, you know, can we really trust the Bible? Does my life have a purpose? What does it mean to be made in, an image, in the image of God? And with all of that in mind, why then am I facing so many struggles in my life? I guarantee that in some way, shape or form, there's people here tonight that are asking or thinking through some of those questions for themselves. And even more importantly, action follows thinking. 
Think about that. Action follows thinking. So the way that we think about these things, the way that we understand God, the purpose of the universe, what it means to be made in God's image and meaning and calling in our own lives, that actually has a bearing then on how we act and how we live our lives. Think about some examples. You know, our understanding of grace and holiness then determines the way that we respond to sin in our own lives and, in other, and other sinners that we come into contact with. Our understanding of the image of God determines the way that we see ourselves and others. And we've probably all been through that moment in our Christian walk where we've had to, we, we've had to choose to see ourselves in the image of God rather than the way in which we see ourselves. That can be a challenge sometimes, but as we do that, that changes the way that we see ourselves and the way that we live. And then even our understanding of purpose and calling determines how we live our lives. So here's my first point. Number one, theology is something we all do. Theology is something we all do. When I say theology, I'm not thinking about study or an academic discipline, but at its most basic, theology comes from two words. Theos meaning God, and then logos meaning word, teaching, or study. So at its most basic, theology is just speaking about, teaching about, studying about God. If you thought about some of those questions that I asked earlier, if you spend any time reading your Bible or thinking about God and how he relates to you and what that might mean for you, then you are doing some theology. In fact, you can't answer some of those questions without doing theology, and you certainly can't help other people answer those questions without some theology. So everyone's a theologian whether you like it or not. If you thought when I said that earlier, dry, boring, arrogant, well, welcome to the club. But that's not so bad, I think, if you think of theology like this. Theology begins with God's revelatory word to us. Basically, God reveals himself to us. And then it continues as we respond with words, words to God and to each other. So prayer, praise, testimony, preaching and teaching are all part of the daily theological work of the people of God. God reveals himself to us. We respond with words. Prayer, praise, testimony, preaching, teaching are all part of the theological work of the people of God. I like this definition because it takes theology out of the academic sphere, out of the the ivory tower, and puts it back into the pastoral, personal ministry sphere. And our lives then should be an expression of theology, and they are, whether we like it or not. But the thing is, not all theologies are equal. If you're all theologians, I wish I could give you all degrees, I can't, but if you're all theologians, the question is then, do you have good or bad theology? (laughs) Are you a good theologian or are you a bad theologian? And probably there's a spectrum that might look something like this on the next slide. Can you see that there? Yep. So on the two ends, you've got two different types of uh, theology. Folk theology, which is just really unreflective believing based on blind faith in a traditional person. So essentially, basically, we just believe what we're told. You know, think of a child growing up, really at that age, well, I hope, I don't know if they listen to me anymore, but I hope my boys believe what I tell them. It's not really reflective at that point. It's basic. You just believe what you're told. Then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got academic theology, highly speculative, philosophical, 
aimed at other theologians, but probably often disconnected from the church and doesn't have much to do with Christian living. So the people that came up with this model basically said that the two ends, folk theology, academic theology, aren't really much use to anybody. But in between these two extremes, you've got three other types of theology that I think are vital to the healthy life of the church. So lay theology, that's where Christians begin to question folk theology, begin to question just what they've been told their whole lives and actually start to build some foundation, build some depth for themselves, build some confidence in what they believe and why. Not everyone's called to public ministry, but everyone is called to think through their faith, to mature in their relationship with God and to develop their knowledge of God and the church. So lay theology is very important, moving beyond that simplistic, uh, cliched folk theology then to actually an understanding of God that gives you a firm foundation. Ministerial theology is basically exactly what it sounds like. If you're a pastor or a minister or you're, you're, uh, you're teaching in churches, what you teach and what you say has a profound influence on the people that you're teaching it to. So you have, there's more responsibility on you to make sure that what you're teaching is, is good theology. It reflects God, it draws people closer to God and it helps them to live better lives that ref- reflect Christ Jesus. And then professional theology, a bit further along for those who train pastors and train ministers in theology. So they're more likely to be uh, critical in their reflection, but still not in a way that's separated from faith and involvement in the church. This is just one model. This is not the model. This is just one way of understanding how someone starts. Everyone starts really with folk theology, but then they mature, they grow as they move through their life. Each Each of us can ask ourselves the question, where are we on that spectrum at the moment? And where would we like to be? So if we start from the, my first point, which is theology is something that we all do. And I hope we all want to go deeper with God. Are we hungry? Are we thirsty? Then I want to give us three guideposts to guide our journey. So if, think of we are all theologians as point zero, because this is now point one of the three guideposts. The first one is this. What are we doing when we do theology? Theology is faith-seeking understanding. I'm just going to unpack that for a moment. It's interesting to draw a distinction between doctrine and theology. So doctrine is a, set of, is a belief or a set of beliefs taught by a particular group. In other words, doctrine is something that you have to believe to belong to that group. So if you're a minister with Australian Christian churches, which is our denomination, and I'm an ordained minister, I'm sure there's many others in the room that have credentials, you have to sign up to the statement of doctrines. You have to affirm that I believe these doctrines, I'm willing to abide by them, and that gives you permission to enter into the group of ordained ministers with Australian Christian churches. But you notice that there isn't a list of orthodox doctrines in the Bible. You don't open up the Bible and it says, okay, We've got the Ten Commandments, so I guess we all believe those. But here's the, the, the 12, 12 doctrines that you must have in order to be considered orthodox or in order to, order to be a pastor. The Bible doesn't give us that. What it does give us is stories, history, poetry, letters, 
parables. And then from that, we derive doctrine. So we, we derive our doctrine from what we find in the Bible rather than having it served up to us on a platter. But doctrine by itself isn't enough for us as Christians. We actually have to have understanding. That's not to say doctrines have no place. It's actually pretty important that if you're going to be part of a group, you know where the boundaries are. You know what the parameters are to be in that group. So doctrine has a place, but it's not enough on its own. Doctrine has to be understood and then applied. And and this understanding, faith-seeking understanding, that's the task of theology. We're basically taking what we know about God, trying to understand it and then putting it into practice. Proverbs 16.16 says, How much better to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Wisdom better than gold, understanding better than silver. So what are we doing when we do theology? Faith-seeking understanding. It was actually Anselm of Canterbury who lived a thousand years ago now. He was the one that described the task of theology as faith-seeking understanding. He said, For I do not seek to understand so that I may believe, he said, but I believe so that I may understand. Faith comes first. We all start from that point of faith and then we seek to understand. I don't understand so that I believe, but I believe so that I can understand. There's a definition about to go, or a quote about to go up. Christian faith is at its bottom. Trust in and obedience to the free and gracious God made known in Jesus Christ. So faith is trust in and obedience to God. And then theology, Christian theology, is this same faith in the mode of asking questions and struggling to find at least provisional answers to those questions. That's the important thing to realise when we're doing theology. Our starting point is always faith. Trust in and obedience to the free and gracious God made known in Jesus Christ. Let me tell you as someone who studied, knowledge does not reduce the need for faith. You know, I still have to choose to believe the Bible as the inspired word of God. I still have to choose to believe that Jesus came and died for my sins and that I'm a, a sinner in need of grace. I still have to choose to believe that God has a purpose for my life. In fact, if you don't have this foundation in faith before you try to understand, it can actually, it can draw you away from your core beliefs. There's moments, particularly as I did my PhD, where the, the thinking that you encounter can even encourage you to walk away from those core beliefs held. So faith is still a requirement. There were so many points where I've just, I had to say, no, I choose to, to hold on to my faith. You know, I choose to believe in, in the God that I know. I choose to believe in the Holy Spirit and His empowering. I choose to believe in the Bible. So faith in God comes even before we start theology. And what that means, and perhaps contrary to what sometimes we see, Theology should never lead us to fundamentally question our faith. That's not the goal of theology. Theology should help us to better understand our faith and therefore live in a way that reflects that faith more authentically. Always faith first, belief first, and then understanding comes after that. So guidepost number one, what are we doing? Theology is always faith first, and seeking understanding. Number two, where do we look for that understanding? And there's a number of different sources. You may have heard of, uh, you may have heard of the Wesleyan quadrilateral. 
It's just one under model for understanding the sources of our theology. Really, it's just a fancy label for a pretty simple diagram, if that can come up on the screen, that highlights some of the key sources for our understanding of God. And there's four of them there. Scripture, tradition, reason and experience. And if you desire to go deep in God, if your answer to Ash's question, are you hungry, are you thirsty, was yes, you should be drawing on each of these in some way if you actually want to deepen your faith and deepen your relationship with God. So scripture, first of all, there's a reason why the Bible's at the foundation. <laughs> we always believe that the Bible is the ultimate authority uh, for all matters of faith and practice, or I hope that we do. We all know 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So our first action point for those that want to go deeper in God is pretty simple. Read your Bible. Very good. Pastor Jack, when we first came to the church three years ago, was right in the middle of talking about a Bible revival. Can anyone remember that? A Bible revival. And that's something that we still need. Scripture, always their foundation, always the final authority. But we still have to interpret and apply Scripture. And actually, we get into trouble. Anyone that just says, just read your Bible and do what it says, that can be a little bit dangerous because you read it, but you've still got to interpret, understand and apply it. It's never that simple. And that's where the other three come in. Can we go back, sorry, to the diagram? So scripture, scripture, Bible first. Tradition. When I say tradition, I'm not talking about robes and ceremonies and incense. Uh, I'm talking about we've got thousands of years of people thinking, reflecting, learning, writing that we can draw from. Thousands of years of genuine men and women of God truly reflecting on what it means to have faith in God and sharing with us their learnings and their knowledge and their wisdom and expertise. We as Pentecostals often have a negative view of tradition. Somehow Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the book of Acts, then 2,000 years of sort of wasted time and then suddenly the Spirit comes again in the Pentecostal revival and here we are. But there's so much richness in the tradition of the church, so much richness that we can draw from and learn from. So our second point, if you want to go deeper with God, is to learn from what other people have written and said. Get a good commentary, read a new book, uh, draw from the wisdom of experts. I don't want to jump the gun, but I think Pastor Belinda's in the process of gathering a few recommended books or resources for those that are interested or for those that want to go a bit deeper. Scripture, always a foundation, but we can also learn from tradition, the history of the church. Then we have reason. We have to be able to think intelligently about our faith and defend it rationally. If you've lived in Pentecostal churches for as long as I have for a while there, it was like you sort of check your mind at the door and just open yourself up to the Spirit. But I love this quote from Galileo, which I think is on the slides. I do not feel obliged to believe that the same God who has endowed us with sense, reason and intellect intended us to forego their use. We probably all know people that probably should use their reason a little bit more. Of course, that doesn't come without risks. You know, we need to think for ourselves, but we also can't elevate 
reason, our reason so much that it, uh, we put it over and above Scripture, over and above the Bible. I was at an academic conference once where an issue was being debated and someone quoted a scripture from the gospel, something that Jesus had said. And someone else said, well, actually, I disagree with Jesus on that point. I'm not joking. <laughs> so at that point, you're probably thinking, yeah, this person has elevated reason a little bit too high in their own lives. But our reason is still so important. There's a silly cartoon, I think, as well, which I, might, I think I put in the slide deck. There you go. I hear you're writing a book on theology. Perfect title. Has it ever occurred to you that you might be wrong? So reason isn't the be-all and end-all. Don't be like that. Don't be someone that just thinks, well, I trust my reason far and above everything else. But gee, we better still use our reason (laughs) and our intellect and our minds. If you're serious about going deeper with God, it's not enough just to be open to the Holy Spirit, although we absolutely should be open to the Holy Spirit. It's not enough just to read our Bibles, although we absolutely should read our Bibles. We also have to think, we have to reflect, we have to have conversations, we have to challenge ourselves to understand our faith in a new and a deeper way. And lastly then, experience. You know, we all read the Bible and interpret it through the lens of our own experiences. We can't help it. None of us are blank slates. None of us have no pre-existing ideas about God. We interpret God through our own experiences. And actually, I happen to believe that God speaks to us through our experiences. An encounter with Him can be hugely impactful and really powerful in your life. So we shouldn't be embarrassed about knowing God through experience. But we also need the wisdom that comes with corporate experience and being part of a community. Sometimes the strange things or the fringe things, you know, fringe experiences or fringe interpretations of Scripture come from people who are out on their own, out on the edges, no accountability, no community, uh, no moderating influence of a wise group of Christian people. That can be a dangerous place to be. But our final action point for people that want to go deeper is to seek experience with God, but also draw from that community that you're a part of and allow that community to moderate your experiences of God. So what are we doing in theology? We're seeking understanding of the faith we already hold. Where are we looking for that understanding? We're looking to scripture, to tradition, to reason and experience. And finally, the third point, how are we doing theology? And this might be the most important point. Always with humility. This was my formative moment in studying theology. I showed up to my first theology class. I was 17 and a half years old. It was called Renewal Theology 1, and it was being taught by someone called Pastor Paul Grant, who some of you may know uh, around the movement for a long time. Ian Grant, his son, is involved in uh, ACCI, the missions arm. He's since passed away, but even when he was teaching me in 1999, I think he was in his 70s already at that point. So I came in pretty sure that I was uh, called to theology, called to teach, very confident that I would soon be an expert in all matters theology and able to instruct those lesser people that didn't know as much as me. The first thing he said, first class, Renewal Theology 1, after decades spent uh, studying serving God. In fact, it was said that he had journals from the last 50 years of his life where every day he'd written in a journal. 
wow, that's someone that's really dedicated themselves to, to knowing God. He said, the more I learn about God, the more I realize how much I don't know. <laughs> what a good place to start. The more I learn about God, the more I realize how much I don't know. 1 Corinthians 8, 1, we know that knowledge puffs up while love builds up. You know, going deeper with God, doing theology, always has to be done in humility and should, and should increase love in our hearts for God and for others. That's the right stance to have when approaching theology. I have faith. I need understanding. But the goal of that understanding isn't to make me feel intelligent or so that I can prove that I'm right. It's so I can increase love of God in my heart and draw other people into that love in the same way. If anyone ever tells you that uh, your church is wrong or that your belief is wrong and that some church or someone over here has the absolute right belief and you need to come and be a part of that, be very nervous. (laughs) You know, I hope we're all certain about our faith and the gospel, Jesus Christ revealed to us through Scripture and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But beyond that, we always have so much to learn, no matter where we are in our journey. There's always more. And the learning journey never stops. The more we know, the more we realize how much we don't know, how much we still have to learn. Don't be someone who thinks that they've finished their journey now. (laughs) Someone who thinks that they're at the point where they're an expert and now they can tell everyone else what they already don't know about God. Keep learning humbly. I have faith. I need to seek understanding. To get that understanding, I draw from the Bible. I draw from tradition. I draw from reason. I draw from experience. But my stance, my attitude always is one of humility. I might be learning, but I have so much more to learn. Lord, teach me. Here endeth the lesson. I'm going to ask the team to come and I'm going to hand to... uh, Pastor Belinda in a moment. The last thing I'll say is a good theology doesn't make a good Christian or a good leader or a good pastor. You can have the best theology in the world and still be far away from God. But what I will say is that a bad theology or a strange worldview can really limit your capacity to have a positive influence wherever you are in your life. Are we hungry? Are we thirsty? You know, do we want to go deeper with God? Let's be people who take the call to depth seriously. Let's be people who want to understand the faith that we already have, to draw on those rich resources that we have available to us and to be humble before God. Let's pray. Lord, help us to be people that hunger after you, people that thirst after you. Lord, help us always to know that wherever we're at in our Christian walk, however mature we are, however well studied we are, however experienced we are, there's always more. There's always more depth. There's always more we can know about you, more we can learn about you. We can always be closer to your heart and to where you are. Lord, strengthen our faith in our hearts. Help us never to walk away from that, to waver from one side to the other. Strengthen that faith. But Lord, help us to understand. Help us to move beyond wherever we're at to a deeper level of understanding and give us humility so that we can learn from 
others so that we can learn from you, so that we can learn from your word. Lord, open up your word to us. Help us to desire you more deeply, to want to go deeper. In Jesus' name.